0: So as we uh, wrap this up, we have walked through what perfectly, and I don't have time to go through all the details of, of everything. You'll just have to go back and hear all the multiple sermons we've done on this mindset of being perfectly abnormal and how we're finishing up walking through this story of the man who was born blind and Jesus comes and as he's leaving the synagogue, chapter 7 and chapter 8 of the book of John, he's leaving the synagogue after he's created a stir. And through the uh, festival of booths, he's been there. He's, he's preached. He's, they've picked up stones. They're ready to kill him. He's slipping out. And as he's going out of one of the gates, he sees a man who has been born since he was blind, over 30 years old. He is born blind. He has, he's missing things, sockets, whatever. It's not something that he just lost his sight. He is born this way. He, he's missing parts. And we talked about how Jesus makes mud, rubs it on the ground, rubs it on his eyes. And when he does that, he goes to the pool of Siloam. And when he goes to the pool of Siloam, washes, he can see. His eyes are completely restored, completely healed. And he comes back and he begins to tell everyone, I'm, I'm the guy. I'm the guy that was sitting here a few minutes ago. I'm the guy that's been begging for, for years, sitting right here. Some say, "Ah, oh, he looks like him, but I don't know if it's him. I mean, his whole facial expression, his whole facial features had to have changed to some degree because of the way he looked before he was healed versus how he looked after he was healed. That's how a a dramatic change that took place in just his facial, his eyes. And so they're, they're like, I don't understand this. And so they carry him to the Pharisees. Of course, Jesus does this miracle on the Sabbath, which creates the problem. Jesus loves doing that. And that creates a whole controversy now. And Jesus walks away, kind of disappears. This man's left defending to people, defending to the Pharisees, defending to his mom and dad, defending to... And ultimately the story ends where the Pharisees just basically throw him out. They excommunicate him, which is the worst thing that can happen in your life, in a Jewish life, because you can't can't now go to church, as we would call it, but you couldn't do business. You, you were, when you're excommunicated, you are basically dead. If you died, you didn't even get a funeral. You just they just took you out in one of the fields and just buried you. That, it was no funeral. It was no you were considered dead. So he's excommunicated. And where we pick up now is they have thrown him out. He is by himself. He's alone. His parents have bailed on him. Everybody's bailed on him. And here's what verse 35 begins as we read from verse 35 to 41. Jesus heard that they had cast him out. And having found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? He answered, And, and, he, and who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? Jesus said unto him, You have seen him. And it is he who's speaking to you. He said, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. And Jesus said, for judgment I came into the world, that those who do not see may see, and those who see may become blind. Some of the Pharisees near him heard these things and said to him, Are we also blind? Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would have no guilt but now that you say we see, your guilt remains. Now, I want to this morning to try to break this into two different groups. There are those who can see, and there are those who are blind. In this room today, there are only two groups. When when I'm preaching or speaking, it's usually very simple to me. It's not complicated. I'm not worried about your background. I'm not worried about your your theology so much. I'm not worried about all. There's two main groups that will cause the separation. There are those who do believe and those who do not believe. Now, let's begin at verse 39. If it's okay, I want to begin at verse 39, and I want to walk through the process of what it is to be blind. What is this blindness that he's talking about? And I'm going to show you some scriptures later. But let's just say he's spiritually blind. They are they are blind spiritually. They are blind and not able to see. And so they're in this conversation with Jesus, the Pharisees who have followed him outside, who have who have watched him, who have watched him do these miracles. And he, there are certain groups of Pharisees that followed him all the time. That was their job to constantly keep trying to find fault in him. And, and and there were there were spies that were sent to everywhere he preached, and their whole job was to find flaws in this man Jesus, to find uh, uh, abilities or things that they could say, hey, we we see that something's not right here. Spiritual blindness, verse 39. I'm going to show you four things very quickly that will help you in this process. Number one, spiritual blindness always receives judgment. Spiritual blindness always comes with judgment. Look at verse 39. Jesus said, For judgment I did what? I came into the world. For judgment, I came into the world. Now that's kind of strange because the, the whole point is Jesus says, When I came into this world, I came not to judge anybody. I came not, not to cause any judgment, not to, not to do any judgment, not to bring any judgment. I, I came without that mindset. But yet at the same time, Jesus, just being who he is, is going to create division. He said, You know what? I brought a sword. Well, a sword's not meant for just cutting the butter. It's it's meant to cause division. He said, "That's, that's the problem. If I come into this world, I am automatically going to cause division among you. Just being who I am is going to create the division. It's going to create the problem that you're going to face. Jesus, even though he says, I didn't come to cause division, we know that every time he entered into a situation. Every time he did a miracle, everything that he did kept creating problems, kept creating issues. Number two, the problem with spiritual blindness is not only is it constantly receiving judgment, but spiritual blindness won't admit its condition. Spiritual blindness... Will not admit its condition. Listen to how he says this, verse 40 or verse 39. We'll finish. Jesus said, For judgment I came into the world that those who do not see may do what? May see. And those who see may become blind. He said, This is the division that I'm creating. But people will fight this because the people who say, I I can see, refused to admit blindness. In fact, notice verse 40. Some of the Pharisees near him heard these things and said to him, are we blind also? Now, this is a play on words. Jesus is having this, this discussion with them. He knows that they're near, but at the same time, he's having this discussion And he says, listen, when I come into the world, my whole purpose is those that are blind will be able to see. And those that think they can see will become more blind than they even are. They will dig in even further than what they have. When you choose to not see, I don't want to see, I don't want to to be a part of this, it's going to cause you an enormous Problem for if someone that chooses to not see, to choose to be blind, they receive judgment, conviction. Problems. We talked about this in times past how it starts intellectually and it ends up physical. It ends up with with arguments. It ends up with name calling. It ends up why? Because it's not what you're doing. You're just trying to love the person. You're just trying to care for the person. You're just telling them, look, you don't have to live in this misery. Jesus is the way. But the moment you bring up the name Jesus and the moment you begin that conversation, you have to understand that person is deciding at that moment whether. I like my blindness or whether I want to see. It has very little to do with you. We try to make so much of it about, well, if we just, you know, hand these tracks out or if we just do this, if we just witness... Listen to me very carefully. You can hand all the tracks out. You can do everything you want. But unless that person's heart is in a position to where it is ready to listen, you are wasting your time. Does that mean don't do it? No, no, no. Keep doing it. But don't take it personal because the battle is not between you and them. It's not whether you can convince them to believe. It's whether God is already operating in their life and creating belief so that when you speak to them miracles like that will happen number three not only will you receive judgment if you continue in spiritual blindness not only won't you admit its condition and keep pushing away you'll come to church services like this but you won't be able to sit in them you'll have to leave and go out and do something else because there's too much that bothers you you don't want to deal with reality number three Refuses the offer then of sight. When you offer it to them, they're going to refuse it. I'm not blind. I know what I'm doing. I got it all under control. I'm. I've got. I I know how to handle this. I, I. I know how to take care of everything. I'm. You ever meet people like this? You're like, if you would just listen. But that's the problem. They're not going to listen. Jesus understands this, and when he's in the process, that's why he doesn't get too high or too low. He realizes that as I'm ministering, there are those that will believe, and there are those that will not believe. Here's what the Bible says in in verse 40 again. Some of the Pharisees near him heard these things and said to him, Are we also blind When they're asking this, it's sarcastic. Are you saying we're? Are you saying we we can't see? Are you saying we don't know what's going on? Here's what Jesus says. And Jesus said to him, "If you were blind, you would have no. See, when you're blind, you you're 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 oblivious to all the things that's going on. You can't see. You know, there's no guilt in blindness." There's no, there's no problem with blindness. Jesus, why Jesus said all the time, I've come to, to. Heal the sick. I've come to 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 be a medicine, a, a a doctor, a physician to those that are those that are well. Don't need a physician. What he was doing is another way of saying what he just said right here to them. He's saying you keep saying you're well and you don't need anything, and I'm a physician. What good am I to you? And he looks at them and says, you keep telling me you can see and you don't have any eye problem, and I keep telling you I'm an eye doctor, and, and, and you say, well, we don't need an eye doctor, so you just. Think I'm useless to you. So understand, if you think you can see, then I'm useless. But if you can see that you're blind, then you can become guiltless. Here's how he finishes it up. Jesus said to them, if you were blind, you would have no guilt. But now that you say, and I love how he does that. He He doesn't say you aren't. He just says, you say, we see. Your guilt remains. Number four. Anyone who consistently stays in spiritual blindness is doomed by accepting blindness. Doomed to the judgment that is to come because you are accepting it. Not because there's not a a delivery, not because there's not an escape, not because there's not a miracle that can take place. You are where you are because you accept that i am spiritually blind that i cannot will not change well lot that's pretty heavy well let me see if i can use some scriptures for you and i want to walk through some scriptures and we're going to use several of them is that okay because what i just said is is very hard to to grab it's very difficult to to just get your mind around so so let's uh Break down a little bit further. Go with in your Bibles to Isaiah 43 and 8. Jesus up until this time has used the physical blindness of this man to teach the lesson. And now he's fixing to teach what he meant to teach through the whole process, which was understanding spiritual blindness. All the way up to verse 35, we have dealt with the physical problem of this man. All the first 35 verses have dealt with the physical problem of this man. And now Jesus explains. Remember when he told you in the beginning when the when the disciples walked by this man and they asked Jesus, who sinned? Who, who sinned? His mother, his father, or did he sin? Did he sin in the womb? We ain't got time to go all the way back to all that. But, but do you remember that? How Jesus, they asked Jesus, who sinned? And Jesus said, neither, none of them have sinned. This was done for the glory of God. And and what you're fixing to see is somebody would say, you mean he left that guy blind for all those years just for his glory to heal him? No, no, no. He left him blind for all those years to tell the story he's fixing to tell you right now. Now, if he needs to leave someone blind that long to do what he needs to do, that's okay with him. But the fact is, he did everything, left that man where he was so that Jesus would pass by so that the Holy Spirit would speak to Jesus and say, heal that man. That man is the illustration you've been looking for. And Jesus does the miracle on the man so that God might get glory. What's the glory? So that they would understand spiritual blindness through looking at a Man who dealt with physical blindness. Oh. And you have these two, this unbelieving, this, this perfectly abnormal, and they're conflicting, they're running into each other. And here's how Isaiah describes it when we need to understand this morning what he's talking about when he's talking about blindness. Isaiah 43 and 8 says this. Bring out the people who are blind, yet have eyes, who are deaf, yet have ears. He says, listen, there is a blindness, yet they got, they got eyes. There's a, there's a lack of hearing, even though they got good ears. He's saying there's, there's this spiritual deafness, this spiritual blindness that is more powerful than anything else. Go with me to Jeremiah 5 and 21. We're going to go through several scriptures Here's what it says. Hear this, O foolish and senseless people, who have eyes but do not see, who have ears but hear. This is God speaking. God has used in the Old Testament and throughout the New Testament this metaphor of not seeing and not hearing. And he uses this as a perfect illustration to describe what separates people from him. People who see, or don't see. People who hear or don't hear. Jesus would use this illustration all the time. He would say, those who have ears, let them hear what the word of God says. Jesus would say that before he would speak. Why? Because he's trying to separate. He's separating those that can and can't. You may be sitting next to somebody and you may think, well, they're in church with me. They've got all this, but they may be as deaf and dumb and blind as anyone you've ever met in your life. They may be great on Sunday and a basket case on Tuesday because their problem is is that they have learned to imitate sight. They've learned to imitate hearing but they never truly hear and they never truly see. Isaiah 56 and 10. Here's what it says. His watchmen are blind. They are all without knowledge. They are all silent dogs. They cannot bark, dreaming, lying down, loving to slumber. They're, they think about things they'd like to do. They think about where they want to be. They dream about stuff, but they never get there because they won't listen and they won't see. Now, this, this ain't me, so don't get mad at me while I'm reading all these scriptures. Go with me to Isaiah 44, and 18. The Apostle Paul in Acts 26 says it this way, and you you hold where you are. In Acts 26, he says, to open their eyes. Paul said, I've come to open their eyes, speaking, preaching to the nations, that they may turn from the darkness to light. In Ephesians 4, he says the same thing, turning from darkness to light. In John 3, Jesus says it this way, sinners love darkness rather than light because they cherish their evil deeds. Revelations 3 and 17 says it this way, characterizes the world as sinners, as wretched, naked, miserable, poor, and blind. Every time when you turn in the Bible, this is the way the Bible describes it. When you ask me how I see people who are not where they need to be, that's how I see them. Blind, naked, locked away in a prison, stuck, can't get free. They act like they're free. They walk around like they're free in their little cubicle, but they're never truly free. And this is how God sees it. This is how God describes it. So there is natural blindness. Look at the person beside you and say, There's natural blindness. But that's not the worst of it. Go in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians and, and well, let's just go in Isaiah. In 2 Corinthians 4, here's what the Bible says, and I'll repeat this again. The God of this world, Satan, has blinded the minds of the unbelieving so that they may not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ who is in the image of God. So not only are you born blind into this world, not are you naturally blind when you enter into this world because of sin from Adam, but you understand that also to compound your blindness Satan has come along and brought a satanic side of this that says, I'm going to deepen the darkness that you already have. So when you start on this process, it first starts with just, I don't understand. I don't understand. I I I don't. I can't figure this out. I can't get this. But let me tell you what happens. Eventually, you'll start having conversations with Satan, with his his emissaries. You'll start having conversations, and it'll become a satanic darkness, which adds that much more pollution. That adds that much more difficulty and the ability to see. Now, go with me to Isaiah forty-four and eighteen. They know not, nor do they discern, for He has shut their eyes so that they cannot see, and their hearts so that they cannot. There's a third level. The third level of blindness that you can reach in your life is terminal judgment blindness. The third level of blindness that you can reach—we always think just blind. No, no, no. There's naturally blind. I deal with people naturally blind all the time. Can we talk? Can we and 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 man walk through this? And then there's then there's satanic blindness, which goes even further. Where somebody then, when I start to talk with them, well, what about dinosaurs? What about this? What what about people that ain't never heard the gospel? What about? I'm like, who you been talking to? I'm trying to trying to help you, and your brain can't even focus on you. Anybody ever deal with people? There's a level of blindness that comes just from ignorance. We're all born in this world, not knowing. But there's another level. That's why the Bible says, give your heart to the Lord when you're young. Parents, that's why you raise your kids in church. That's why. Why? Because they're already going to start off blind to a certain degree. They're already going to start off lost to a certain degree. They're already going to start off in a mindset, I would not choose God if I had to. That's where they're born. That's where they're built. They, they won't just choose God somewhere along the way because it's a good idea. No, 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 no. They're going to be born into this world blind. They're going to continue, and that's why school systems and that's why everything in this world, that's why Facebook and everything knows. If we can add a satanic side to that and deepen that blindness, it's difficult for that person to ever truly see. Oh, I wish you understood what I was saying. And to add to that, if you persist in this and you continue in this and you continue to go deeper and deeper and you start piercing your everything and you start tattooing everything and you start wearing black for everything and you start going deeper and deeper and deeper in your mind and in your thoughts and in hiding and doing, it will eventually become a judgmental in which God will say about you, I cannot reach them. Not because God couldn't couldn't lock you up in a box and make you, but under normal circumstances, they won't choose me. Unless I do something dramatic. That's why we pray many times. Because we're praying for people who have gone to the extent to where we know, we look at them and we're like, there's nothing but judgment waiting for you. And you know any of those people? They not only do bad, they applaud people else who do bad. They, they make fun of people who do good. They, they are so entrenched in their blindness. They're like the Pharisees that we hear. If they see something good, it can't be good because I already know what I believe. I already know Jesus is satanic. I already know Jesus is a lie. I already know this. I already know the Bible was written by men and it ain't true. I already know all that stuff is just religion and it's not real. I already know all this stuff. I, I'm already smart enough to be able to tell you none of that stuff works and it's not real. And there really isn't no heaven. And when you die, you all just go back to cracker juice anyway. So it's not going to matter. So, so all this stuff that we... You can keep pushing... Until the only thing that's left for you is judgment. You can get so blind that, like these Pharisees, seeing everything they're seeing and hearing everything they're hearing and watching the miracles, they still will not see that's why jesus says about them he said do you understand the level of blindness that you're going to he said because you say you can see see that's the highest level because you're looking at me telling me i already know he said your blindness now remains it won't go away so when pastor Lot tells you read your bible i'm trying to help you get out of blindness When I tell you to pray, I'm trying to help you get out of blindness. When I tell you to watch who you hang around, I'm trying to keep you out of blindness. Jesus, God does this also in Isaiah chapter 6. You don't have to turn there, but Remember, God brings Isaiah in and, and anoints Isaiah. And Isaiah said, I saw him on the Lord's day, and he anointed me. And then at the end of it, he says, who will I send? And Isaiah said, send me. And here's what God says when he sends Isaiah. We always make it sound like, man, that would be so cool. It would be so awesome to be Isaiah, to, to see God. And do. But here's what God tells him. They will hear and yet will not understand you, Isaiah. They will see and yet not perceive They will not believe because they have been hardened as a judgment of God. He said, Isaiah, I'm sending you to a people, but they already are set for judgment. Their blindness is so extreme, it'll take years of of bondage. It'll take years to break what's in them. Now that sounds so hard. Why can't God just... God, who has given us the ability to choose, has to sit back many times and watch all the stuff we've chosen, and all the stuff that we've added, and all the stuff that we've accumulated in our mind and in our thoughts and in our actions, and then we wonder why people can't just grasp God. Is this okay? In John 12, 39 through 40, here's what it says. Therefore they could not believe, for again Isaiah said, He has blinded their eyes and hardened their hearts, lest they see and, with their eyes and understand with their hearts and turn, and I would... He's not saying that, that, that I wouldn't do it. He's saying they have pushed it so far that I can't just by preaching and teaching them, they won't listen. There's some of you, no matter what you hear me say today, you're going to come out of here today and you're going to go right back to your junk. You're going to go watch the same junk. And it's not because God won't heal you, it's because you choose not to see. You choose it. Thinking there's no end to it. Forgetting there's a judgment. Forgetting there's a moment you are going to stand before God, whether you're ready or not. As though my blindness will save me forever. No. Blindness just heads you to judgment. Spiritual blindness is not an excuse. Go to Romans 11 and 8. God gave them a spirit of stupor, eyes that would not see and ears that would not hear, down to this very day. Go to Isaiah 5 and 20. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Ephesians 5 and 11. Is this making sense? I told you I had to use a lot of Scripture. Take no part in the unfruitful works of... That's why I told you, get away from it. Quit playing with it. Disconnect from it. But instead, expose them. A lot of people don't like hanging around me. They love me. They just don't like hanging around me. What do you think of my house? I hmm. think it's going to be sad one day when you die and leave it. What do you think of my car? That sucker's depreciating fast, ain't it? Ten years, you are going to buy a whole new one. Seventy more thousand dollars. How's that going to feel? bro? Law, you just take the fun out of life. No, I bring reality into it. That's my job. I'm not going to call good evil and evil good. Take no part in the unfruitful. It's not that there's not a season of fun in it. There's not, I want you to have fun. I hope you have a boat. I hope you have a house. I hope you have a car. I hope you have all those things. I hope you have fun. I hope you get a motorcycle. I hope you get man, I, I want you to be blessed. I want all of that stuff for you. But here's the thing it's unfruitful. It'll entertain you. It'll keep you from thinking about stuff for a little while, but that is no fruit producing in your life. Now, if you took the car and picked up people and brought them to church on Sunday, now you got something fruitful. Did you do that this morning? No. So you have an unfruitful car. You didn't call three people and say, Hey, man, I'm coming by. You going to ride with me to church? No, you barely got up this morning, barely got here yourself, complained how much gas was. How many many people that you don't like have you invited to your house and loved on them? Not the people you do like because Jesus said that don't count. How many people have you invited them to your house who you don't like and cooked dinner for them and loved them? Now you've made it fruitful. Look at the person beside you and say, I love Brother Lot, but I don't like him. <laughs> I told you. So you can see where I run into, you can see where Jesus runs into conflict. You can see, because every time they come to him, look what I got. Well, you know, those things will pass away. Didn't take Zac- Zacchaeus very long sitting at dinner with him to figure it out, Did he? We don't have to ask what Zacchaeus and, and Jesus was talking about because halfway through the meal, by the end of it, when he showed him his house and he showed him his food, and he showed, Zacchaeus stands up and says, I'm going to give away half of everything I'm going to do. Why? Because you hang around him long enough, you'll start to realize the stuff I have is unfruitful. Unless I use it for what God's intended it for. Your Facebook page is unfruitful unless you're throwing scriptures up on it. Either you're exposing darkness or you are connecting with darkness. I got to run. So now this is why Jesus comes. Go in your Bible to John 12 and 46. While you're turning there, Isaiah 9, Isaiah 29, Isaiah 42, Isaiah 60, all of those talk about the Messiah. The one who brings spiritual light. The one who brings spiritual light. In fact, Jesus in chapter 8 says it this way, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in darkness, but have light of life. In John 12 and 46, here's what it says, I have come into the world as light, so that whoever believes in me may no more remain in darkness. When you choose Jesus, it's not, I just want to get saved. It's not, I just want my sins forgiveness. Do you understand that when you choose Jesus, you are stepping out of darkness into a marvelous light. And darkness won't like you no more. That's the how you know it. If you can go back and still hang out in the same rooms that your buddies are in, you didn't get it. Because you as light is not going to fit in those. My friends in high school, there were times they would call me, say, Tim, let's go watch a movie. But there were a thousand times when I never got a phone call, hey, you want to go riding around with us? You want? Why? Because they did not want me in the car with them while they were riding around drinking their Crown and Coke and doing their stuff and hanging out and checking out girls because I'm sitting there preaching, shining light, showing them that this ain't the way to go. You're better than this. You don't have, they got sick and tired of hearing me tell them they were better than where they were living but today all of them are in church I get to play golf with them once a year on my birthday and they don't cuss, they don't drink we get to hang out listen to me very carefully when you choose Jesus, He brought light into this world, and darkness hates light. That's why you who, who's fouling up your marriage, you don't want to hear this, because you want to hide behind it's all OK. You who've got addictions and problems, you don't want to hear this, because you want to hide in the darkness. You don't want to come out in the light. The light will fix it. The light will heal it. The light will remove it. But you enjoy the darkness. Jesus the Messiah brings light. Man, I don't know nobody like me now, right? In Matthew chapter 4, he says it this way, The people, the people who were sitting in darkness have seen a great light. And those sitting in the land of the shadow of death, upon them a light has shined. Go with me to 1 Peter 2 and 9. 1 Peter 2 and 9. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellence of him who called you out of He called you. Now, here's the thing. Every one of you and me was tore up from the floor up. I don't want it to sound like, well, Pastor Lott, he don't know what I'm going. Let me tell you something. If I told you all my backstory and told you all my stuff, we'd probably both jump off a bridge. That's not the point. The point is, is that Jesus came, but you, look at the person beside you and say, you are a chosen generation. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. You are a people of his own possession. That you may proclaim the excellency of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. That's who you are. Oh, you ought to give him a hand clap of praise. That's who you are. Now, let me, let me show you this guy real quick, and I'm through. I, I used verses 39 through 41. Now I need to use verses 35 through 38. Because I shared all that to show you that here's how you're supposed to react. Go with me to verse 35. There's four steps, just like there's four degrees of falling into darkness and the problems with darkness. There are four steps that you need to walk into light. Number one. You need divine movement. You need divine movement. Some of you are feeling that right now. You think it's a bad thing, but let me tell you something. It's not guaranteed to ever happen again. It's not necessary that God ever move on you like this again. It's not guaranteed that God will ever convict you like this again. It's not anything God's required but to shine light on you. And here's what happens. Jesus heard that they had cast him out and having found him. You didn't find Jesus. Not a one of us in this room found Jesus. Jesus found us. From a one, there has to be a God move. It's not a Tim Lott move. I I woke up one day and decided to, no. It's nothing I can boast about, nothing I can brag about. The only way our relationship started is that while I was blind, could not see, had no way, had no future, couldn't choose him if I wanted to choose him, wouldn't have wanted to choose him if I had the choice because I didn't know him, I didn't know anything about him, didn't care anything about him. I was just trying to survive, but Jesus found me in my darkness. Just like in the physical, he walked by this man who's wanting alms and he heals him. He walks by him this time and he says, I'm him. I'm what you've been looking for. Jesus found him. Number two, the second thing that has to happen. And just to reiterate this, go with me to Luke 19 and 10. Luke 19 and 10. Let me give you a couple more scriptures. For the Son of Man came to to do what? To seek and save the lost. He didn't come to preach and somebody... That's why I never take it personal. If somebody likes my sermons or somebody gets up in the middle of them and walks out, I don't really care. It's not me you're fighting anyway. It's it's not me you're in the battle with. I'm just a heralder. I just speak this word. Your your battle this morning is with what he's trying to speak inside of you. What he's trying to speak deep. What he's trying to change that's broken. And if you would let him fix what's broken, then you have this new life. But you have to choose that I don't want darkness no more. John 15 and 16 You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, He may give it to you. In Matthew 18, the Son of Man has come to save that which was lost. You did not choose Him. He chose you. You did not find a Savior. We're going to celebrate here next week. God sent a Savior. For God so loved the world that He gave. Not you. Number two. Knowing this... Each of us has been given a measure of faith. You may not have a lot of faith. You may not have a great faith yet. It'll grow. Faith grows. But the fact is, every one of you in this room has a level of faith that has the opportunity to either choose or not choose God. You can't say, Well, I didn't have a chance. Oh, yes, you did. And God's going to show you this day right now, and he's going to show you this moment right now, and he's going to say, you remember sitting in that church, and remember that pastor preaching, you squirming like a worm and sitting on top of the ground? You remember how you felt? And remember, who do you think that was talking to you? That was me. And I gave you a measure of faith. Yeah, but it would have been embarrassing to go up there. Yes, it would have, but it would have saved you. It 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 would have been embarrassing for everybody to say, yes, but it would have saved you. You wouldn't have went home messed up and tore up from the floor up no more. You wouldn't have went home to the same marriage, the same kids, the same situation, the same thoughts. You would have been set free. If you would just have used the faith that I gave you. Verse 36. Go there with me quickly. He answered and said, Who is he, sir, that I may... Let me explain something. You believe before you see. You don't see and believe. This guy don't even know who he's looking for. This guy is standing in front of the one he's looking for. Doesn't know it. He said, "If I knew who he was, I'd tell you I'd believe in him. If I knew, if I if I knew, I would." If, 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 I'm ready to believe. I'm my heart is ready to believe. My heart is not an unbelieving heart. My heart is not hard. My heart is prepared. I don't. I don't know how this guy got here. He's been working his way through this process all along. He he says what one time he must be a prophet. He must be sent from God. All through this book of the night chapter, he keeps talking about this man Jesus. I don't know everything. I just know I was blind and now I see. But all of this is not making him harder. All of this is making him softer, and it's making him to the point, if somebody somebody would just give me an altar call I would come. I don't care who gave it. I don't care if the music was good. I don't care if the music was bad. I'm just ready to get saved. I'm just ready to change my life. That's his attitude. If I if you just show me, and he says, Sir, little Lord, lowercase letters, yours may say, Lord, there. It's lowercase, L-O-R-D. In the lowercase, he's just saying, sir, if you just tell me who it is, I would go find him. I would believe in him. I'm telling you, I'm ready. Number three. Verse 37. Jesus said to him, you have seen him, and it's he who is speaking to you. Listen to me. Right now where you're sitting, it's Jesus who's speaking to you. That's not your conscience. That's not just some bad feeling. That's not something you drank this morning that upset your stomach. That's him. And he's trying to get your attention. For once. He says, it's me who's talking to you. Verse 38. He said, Lord. Uppercase levels l o r he said i just been waiting f- i just been waiting for somebody to tell me God has already put faith in me. I just needed somebody to give me the invitation. I just needed somebody to say he's not a sir, he is Lord and he says lord i Believe. He didn't go through no long ritual. He didn't have to quote no Romans Road. He didn't have to. He just had to do one thing. He just had to believe Jesus Christ was who he said he was. And if he's Lord, he's Lord of all. And if he's king, he's king of all. If he's big, he's big enough. If he's there, he's there all the time. If he fixes, he fixes everything. He's Lord. Lord. gotta get. I'm looking at it myself. He's Lord. Capital. Lord. You don't have a problem this morning. You don't have an addiction this morning. You don't have a situation this morning that he's not big enough. Number four. How do I know then, Brother Lot? How do I know that I'm believing? Jesus said, verse 38, He said, Lord, I believe. And He, right there in front of everybody, in front of every situation, from of the Pharisees, he didn't care. I don't care what they say. I don't care what they do. I don't care if they talk about me. I don't care if they kick me out and keep me kicked out. I have found the Lord. And I will worship him. The only way you ever know if somebody truly, truly has it is their worship. You know how many mornings I get up sick on Sunday morning and I choose to worship? It's confusing to me that someone would wake up sick and decide to stay home and not go to the place where they could be healed. That seems odd to me that you would not even... Even friends of other people drug them to church sick. Remember the guy I told by four? They carried him. He was... Like, look, let's get him to Jesus. And we're, we're the people that's supposed to, and we're the first one. Well, just, baby, just lay down and we'll... My mom and dad wrapped me in so many blankets and laid me on the back rows, and I knew what was coming. Halfway through the service, my dad would be preaching and say, say, Tim's laying back there right now, sick. And there'd be three old ladies that'd get up about that time, and I knew what was fixing to take place. And I wasn't even good in the spiritual then, it didn't matter. I knew what was coming. <laughs> And they were praying with me, got my hands up, got me go. I guarantee you one thing, I didn't walk out of no service sick. <laughs> so when I wake up on Sunday morning and I don't feel good or I've got bronchitis and double pneumonia, where do you think I want to go? You just wrap me up and get me to the Lord. Because if you can get me to the Lord, he's bigger than any problem that I got. I will worship him until there's no worship left and there's no breath left. He will be who I run to. That's how you know you believe. Because this morning, if you got something, you will worship him. This morning, if you're facing something, you will worship him. This morning, if you can't fix it, you will worship him. And you will say, he is big enough. I'm not, but he is. He is Lord of all. Will you stand? Just play some music. And you decide this morning who he is. It's okay. Crank it up. I don't care. I don't... I don't. It's your choice. As I get older, I'm getting... So more and more harder to deal with. Because as I get older, less and less of what the world cares about, I care about. I've only got a short amount of time. And any reward that I ever have won't be on this side. It'll be on the other side. I wish I was young again. I wish I could go back and had all the energy I used to have. I wish I could do it again. But all of my journey has taught me one main thing. That He is Lord. And whatever I'm facing struggling with, battling. He is who I will run to. That has not gotten weaker over time. That has become stronger over time. And if you're in this room today and you say, Pastor, it's time for me to worship Him i'm tired of blindness and i'm tired of just not seeing i believe i really believe therefore worship is natural to me if you're in this room and you say i'm ready to worship him because i believe in him then these altars are open. These altars are open. Nobody else around. Everybody else has kicked you out. Everybody else has turned their back on you. But there's one standing there that says, I am He. The one you see and the one you're talking to. That's me. What are you going to do with me? I believe And I worship. If that's you this morning. And you're not ashamed. You're not afraid. You're ready to respond to the voice that you hear. Then move. Then move.